Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Ministry of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, let me start with a question. <clears throat> Hallelujah. You're about to ascend onto a hill, a very <laughs> hilly hill. <laughs> And that is very rocky as well. On the top of that hill, there is a treasure chest, something that is invaluable, so priceless and, you know, expensive. Something that you really can't pay for, but it's so, so valuable. And then you have to ascend onto that hill. You have three cars or three vehicles at your disposal. You have a Kia Picanto, you have a Mercedes S-Class 2021, and you have a Chevrolet pickup truck. Which one are you going to take with you and why? Chevy. Chevy. Ah. Do you know Shevchenko? <laughs> He's the one they used to call Chevy. Praise God. Okay. Chevrolet pickup truck. Why? Why? Fantastic. Fantastic. Will the Chevrolet get on that track and start asking why me? Does he get on that track? Can't you carry a picanto? See Mercedes there. Why me? That's, that's exactly what it is like when you find yourself in trials and tribulations and you ask yourself, why me? That's, that's exactly how it is. You are the only one that can survive that terrain. That's why it's you. So trials are a compliment to your design. Praise God. Trials and temptations and afflictions, rocky terrains, undulating paths, meanders, bends, detours, sharp stones. Those are a complement to your design, not a deterrent to your purpose. The compliments. Some, some vehicles will not survive it. So God will not give them anything that is above their capacity to bear. So you only find them on smooth roads. Because if they enter such terrains, that's the end. How many of you know that some people, when it rains, they don't go out? <laughs> their cars cannot survive it. Can't survive it. And where to stop <laughs> is where they least expect. <laughs> Praise God. So you need to understand that when trials and temptations come your way, the question is not why me. The question is how do I navigate here? How do I navigate? Where do I go? How do I run? How can I master the steering? It's a question of how, not why. It's a question of how. How do I get out of here? How does God take all the glory from this situation? How does God get blessed from my attitude in trials? Not why me, why me? You're not a picanto. <laughs> You're a pickup truck. You're built for this. You're designed with this in mind. When the Lord put you in this world, he knew exactly what he was putting you into. Did you see the hierarchy of demons that you have to wrestle with? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness. 
in high places such a dangerous terrain such a wicked terrain an evil world the moment the devil fell on this earth he corrupted the fabric of this earth and like I said on, on Thursday whenever you show acts of kindness and generosity you are diluting the world of wickedness with your kindness like that because the world is full of wickedness and evil and darkness and the devil cares nothing about your welfare if he's feeding you it's because he wants to kill you you know the way you feed chickens so they can grow fat so you can kill them that's exactly that is motivation that is motivation the ones he attacks are the ones he knows <laughs> will not stop following after Jesus and so he tries to attack them to reduce their pace on that path to reduce their endurance and their long suffering and those things should spur you on because you have perspective you know this you're not feeling this you are knowing this that the trial of your faith is working patience and endurance on that path and it shouldn't dissuade you it shouldn't discourage you it shouldn't make you faint in your mind those he knows he already has he will be feeding them so they will never get a clue that they are already in his kitty uh, you keep feeding them fat until one day he snatches them up kills them destroys them that is what he glories in he comes to steal to kill and to destroy so even when he's trying to be nice ultimately it ends in those three things to steal to kill and to destroy but Christ has come that we may have life and have it more more abundantly second Corinthians chapter 4 from verse 16 let's read from verse 17 the Bible says Paul speaking he says our light afflictions which is but for a moment it says it is working for us hallelujah your afflictions are on your payroll our light afflictions which is but for a moment they are working for us hallelujah a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory Romans chapter 8 from verse 15 the Bible says, for we have not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have been given the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ Jesus. He says, for if we suffer together with Christ, we ought also to be glorified with him. Verse 18 now says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present times, they are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Scream again, glory! It's not compared. It's not compared. And that's why 1 Peter 4 from verse 12 tells you, Peter speaking, he says, beloved. He starts with beloved. That is, listen, don't ever think that you have stopped to be loved simply because you are going through a trial and a season of temptations. He says, beloved, count it not a strange thing concerning the fiery trials that are designed to try you as though some strange things have happened to you. You are on a rocky terrain. You are built for that terrain. Stop thinking it's a strange thing for your pickup to be found on a rocky hill. You are built for that space. So he says, count it not a strange thing concerning the fiery trials which are designed to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Ah, he says, but rejoice. Rejoice. He says, because we are partakers of Christ's sufferings so that also we can be glad with exceeding great joy when his glory is revealed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
when I design a Chevrolet, I won't release it until I test it on all kinds of terrains. They are designed to try you. I won't just drive it on a, a Todd Milan bridge and come out and say, oh, this Chevrolet is powerful. How do they advertise it to us? Do they put it only on one type of road? Though you see the thing climbing rocks and stuff and still standing just to prove the quality of his engine. That's how God actually demonstrates your worth to the devil. Hey. That's what happened with Job. That's what happens with Job. Try him. I know what I've put inside of him. He knows me. He will stand the test. Hi. These perspectives help you. They, they help you not to crumble in the days of adversity. They help you to stand strong in the time of trials. So he says, count it not a strange thing concerning the fiery trials that are to try you as though some strange things have happened to you. He says, rejoice. Praise the name of the Lord. He says, rejoice. It is important we understand these things. So important. How do you behave in trials and temptations? How do you behave in seasons like that? And so Romans chapter 8 Verse 18 says, I reckon that the sufferings of these present times are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, isn't it? And then, of course, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17 tells us that our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. Your trials, no matter how deep they are, no matter how strange they look, no matter how uncommon they sound, your trials cannot be compared to two things. Number one, they cannot be compared to the sufferings of Jesus Christ himself. That should give you some comfort. That is, they can't be compared with the sufferings of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary on your behalf. What have you gone through that Christ has not gone through already? And even if you're saying, oh, well, this is my situation. I've never found anybody, not on Google, not on Facebook, not on Twitter, not on IG. Nobody in the world is going through my situation. A certain man called Jesus Christ has been through it already. So there is nothing you are going through that is actually uncommon to man. Because 1 Timothy 2.5 tells us that Jesus Christ is a man. The Bible says there is only one God and one mediator between God and man. Bible calls him the man, Jesus Christ. And so if you are saying there is no man on earth that has ever experienced what I'm experiencing, there is a man in heaven who has been through it all. Hebrews chapter four, I believe from verse 14, it says, seeing that we have a high priest who has passed into heaven, Jesus Christ, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession of faith. He says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmity. But he was in every point tempted as we are, yet without sin. So because of that, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Aye. <laughs> Let's come boldly to the throne of grace. To obtain mercy and to find grace to help in the time of need. Do you know the reason why you go through some of the things you go through? is so that you can give comfort to those that will go through it after you have gone through it. How many of you see people who come to you after you're, you're, you're going through a very bad time, a very tough season, and someone tells you he understands, and he doesn't know jack about what you're talking about, and you feel like slapping them. All they've known in their lives is privilege, and trips, 
to Dubai, Hong Kong, Tokyo, and they go for Olympics games and come back. They go to Manchester and they come back and they know nothing about being broke. And then you tell them you are broke. They say, what oh, do you understand? What exactly do you understand? Because to them, being broke is having $2 million in your account. That's being broke. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You can't receive grace from such a person. He's not been through it. Grace can only be given by someone who has been through something. Bible says God comforts us in our tribulations so that with the same comfort wherewith we have been comforted, we can comfort others. There is a kind of comfort you can't receive except you go through a season where only by God's comfort can you stand. And when you receive that comfort and you have been through that season, you will find someone in your future that will go through that exact same thing and only by your testimony can the person continue to have hope. Because if this person went through it and is not looking like what he has been through, I will survive this. This is not my last. I'll survive it. Sometimes you're not going through what you're going through because of you. You are going through them because of others that will listen to you some years down the line. Do you know how many ladies, thousands, millions of ladies that Joyce Meyer is getting out of this depression of rape and sexual abuse and molestation? How is she able to do that? She can actually give grace. She can give comfort. That's why Jesus can give us grace and comfort as well. Because he has been through everything. You wonder, Jesus was never a lady. How could he have been raped? He was raped, sir. He was violated. On that cross, every ounce of sufferings that was experienceable by men, he experienced it on that cross. And if he didn't finish in the cross, he went to hell, continued the sufferings for three extra days. Listen, the one night of divinity in hell is worth much more than the whole world in, in hell for their lifetime. Do you understand what I just said? One night of Godhead spent in hell, one night is far much more worthy to be compared to any of us combined together spending all of eternity in hell. One night of God in hell is weightier than it. It's like carrying all the ants in the world and trying to use it to replace one human being. How many hands do you need to gather to replace the life of one man? All the billions of ants in the world, you gather them together and say, okay, this life that has died now, let me replace it. And I want to kill all the ants in the world to replace that life. Would it be worth it? Because we're talking about immortality here. We're talking about the Godhead here. We're talking about the one who created the heavens and the earth. He chose to subject himself to hell's torture for three days. Three days. Three days. And because the justice system of God recognizes the value of his blood, it was enough. It was enough. They didn't say, they had some more days to spend in hell. It was enough. They weighed it on the scale. They saw there was surplus, surplus to requirement. They saw there was surplus to the requirement and the demand of judgment. They saw there was surplus. That is why they allowed him to leave hell. Praise the name of the Lord. So there is nothing you are going through that Christ has not already gone through. So listen, your sufferings cannot be compared to his sufferings. Can't be compared. The second thing your sufferings cannot be compared to is the glory God is going to get out of it. <laughs> it can't be compared to the glory that the Lord will get out of your life. Your sufferings can't be compared to it. The sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So why are we even going through these sufferings? Are we contributing to the glory with our sufferings? No. Your sufferings will not contribute to the glory. Christ's sufferings already 
brokered the glory. Your sufferings don't contribute to the glory. But you see, your sufferings identify with Christ. That is why I keep saying, because we've suffered with him, we will also. It makes the glory accrue to us. That is why Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me here on earth, he says, before my father, I would also be ashamed of you. Because your shame with God on earth, with Jesus on earth, is identification with him. So that he has no right to deny you on the last day in front of the father. So every suffering is an opportunity to identify with him. It's not to contribute to the glory. It's to identify. It's to say, if Jesus suffered, I just want to have a taste. I want to fellowship with his sufferings. Peter, after he was beaten by the Sanhedrin council, the Bible says he rejoiced that at least he was counted worthy to be given you know, stripes of the stroke just to identify with the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. He counted himself worthy to identify with sufferings. <sighs> he counted himself worthy. Do you understand what that means? It's, it's a height of honor. He counted himself worthy to be able to identify with the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said the same thing. He says that I may know him not only with the goodies that he has to give me, but so that I can fellowship with his sufferings. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So there are several things the Lord will deliberately halt in your life just so he can give you an opportunity to identify with him. Just to give you an opportunity to identify with him. The Bible says he was before his sharers. He opened not his mouth. Have you been derided by people and the Lord would not give you the permission to defend yourself? Derided, persecuted, insulted, lied against. And the Holy Spirit will say, don't say a word. Forgive, let it go. That's sufferings. Sufferings. One day, a lady sent me a message. I can never forget. (laughs) Not because I've not forgiven. But because I have a mind, I have a memory. But of course, I've let it go. But she sent me a message. (laughs) And she insulted me in that message. I was a pastor, for God's sake. (laughs) But because I gave her the privilege of being a friend, she felt she had the right to say some kinds of things. There were two hurtful words. And I was about to give her back. You know what they call dark bada? (laughs) Just to give it to her, hot, hot. And deal with God later. And the Holy Spirit said, no, bless her instead. Sometimes you wish you can hear God. (laughs) For two minutes, let me just not hear God. But he told me, he says, no, bless her instead. So I sent her, I said, God bless you. The Holy Spirit didn't stop there. He said, for the next 45 minutes, pray for her. I said, Rukilele, I bless her now. What's all this? For the next 45 minutes, pray for her. Pray for her life. Pray for her marriage. Pray for everything. Ah, Even my friends don't get this kind of benefits. This one. So for the next 45 minutes, I started praying for her. Prayed for her. Blessed her. And then after 45 minutes, it was gone. Several months later, you know, I saw that she had, you know, you know, bagged a degree. And then I was just excited. I'd forgotten that she had hurt me some months back. So I called her to just thank her or rather to congratulate her and all of that. And then <laughs> after the call, I, I noticed her voice was not consistent. She was not, she was surprised that I'm calling her. So later on, she called me and said, that call, <laughs> was that you? I said, yes, it was me. She said, don't you remember what I did? I said, what did you do? She had to remind me. I said, Abba, I've forgotten. I, I prayed for you and I'm fine. And I'm sure that thing blessed her in a way that 
a thousand messages couldn't have. Are you trying to kill an enemy or save an enemy? And when you respond like Christ, you are suffering with him. That is why forgiveness is an opportunity to suffer with Christ. That is why there is an honor God gives to people who suffered with him. The Matthias, the 12 apostles, there is a realm, there is a space in heaven for them, reserved for them. That's why Jesus stood up in front of Stephen. He's seated normally, but he stood up for Stephen. Because this is a, a kind of suffering that he had not seen amongst men. That someone will be stoning you and be persecuting you and they're about to kill you and you still say, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. That's suffering for Christ's sake. You need to understand when you are given an opportunity to suffer for him. And then you grab it with both hands and you just do like Christ will do. You are not contributing to the glory. You are identifying with him in sufferings. Because if we suffer with him, oh glory to God, we would also reign with him in glory. Hallelujah. Are you blessed? Amen. So we need to understand what it means. And if we begin to look at the things that Paul calls light afflictions, they will shock you. <laughs> it's like he said, all these bread and butter afflictions that we are having is but for a moment. When you go and check the light afflictions in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, ha, light afflictions? Light? That is, those afflictions are still learning. Compared to what he has already accepted to suffer for Christ's sake. Do you understand? That is why Agabus came to him and said, whoever owns this girl do, he will suffer. They will bind him in Jerusalem. So was all that. I'm already ready to die. This is what you are saying is light. That they will send me to prison. That's small. I've already agreed in advance. He has already shown me the things I will suffer for his sake. So this one you are telling me is not a deterrent. It's not a discouragement. It's an encouragement. <laughs> so he says these are light afflictions which is but for a moment. Because compared to what he has already accepted in advance to suffer for Christ's sake. These ones were light. Let's go through them for a, for a moment. So you understand exactly what I'm saying. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Amen. Quickly. Because we have some way to go this morning. Hallelujah. Uh, so in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, a lot of people had come into the church. You know, the TPT called them super apostles. People, not Peter, not the established, but some guys came into the Corinthian church and began to tell them stuff and began to boast of worldly things. And this is another thing. This is a litmus test. Generals don't boast only of their stars. They boast of their scars. They don't boast of their stars. True generals. True generals. So these super apostles were coming and they were making everybody feel canal. Using worldly metrics. Hey. So Paul said, ah, ah, boast though. This one I admit I can boast. But he said, I will boast as a fool for Christ. Rather than boast about all the things I've accomplished in the flesh. I'll boast of my sufferings. <laughs> Amen. Where are they? What are they call? Fantastic. 
He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, often. Of the Jews, five times received thy 40 stripes, save one. 39 times. 39 strokes. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. Imagine somebody counting the things he suffered as if they were medals. How could he have recalled everything? Because he counted everything. He didn't count his cars. He didn't count his houses. He didn't count the amount of, of, of money in his account. He was counting his sufferings as a medal of honor. That's how he could recall them. You see, the, you see the, the very specific words he was using here. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in, in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger, in thirst, in fastings, often in cold, in nakedness, beside those things which are without, those that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He was responsible for a lot of local assemblies that he had set up and installed bishops and pastors over them. The cares of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If I must need glory, I will glory of the things which concern my afflictions, my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. He wasn't joking here. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, kept the city of Dam Damascenes with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. It's 2 Corinthians 12 that began to talk about his prayer with Jesus Christ when he said, My grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in weakness. So generals don't only boast of their, of their stars. They boast of their scars. They know that their stars are forged with their scars. They know. And so we are in a generation where people measure your spiritual growth and maturity by the metrics of success that the world would also measure their success with. But that's not how the believer ought to measure his success. How do you know him? Because Paul told us that it is the knowledge of God that guarantees growth. And when you want to know him, this is the prayers of Paul about knowing him, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. How much have you fellowshiped with his sufferings? How much have you let go of things because of Christ alone? Not because you don't deserve those things based on the metrics of the flesh. Remember the dung knowledge principle? That your dung continues to increase at the rate of pursuit of his knowledge. All those things he had acquired, he counted them but dung. How high is your dung heap? Get counting them but dung that he may apprehend Christ. Father, we give you praise. And so it's an opportunity. It's a blessing. It's a privilege to be counted worthy of the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. If the Lord tells you to do something, do it. Even if it would mean jettisoning the world and the voices of several people to do the will of God, that's sufferings. That's what Noah did. He suffered. He was ashamed for God. He was made a spectacle of shame for several years. God told him a rain is coming, a flood is coming. He kept building an ark. Nobody had seen rain before him. Nobody had ever seen what rain looked like. So they couldn't even imagine what flood would look like. But this guy continued to beat and bang and beat and bang every single day. Everybody called him a fool. His children didn't speak much because they didn't, they didn't want to risk not entering the ark in case it was true. Many of them questioned him. 
Many of them questioned him and he just continued. Bible says he condemned the world. The world is condemning you. What are you doing in return? Condemn the world as well. Condemn the world. Bible says Noah condemned the world. Doesn't matter what they say to me. This one, I will obey. I may not look cool in front of my friends. I may not sound cool on social media, but I'll rather suffer afflictions with him because the glory lasts longer than the sufferings. Ah, remember the rich man when he got to hell? When he got to hell, all his years of plenty seemed like a minute. And then a lifetime of sufferings was right in front of him. He said, please, tell all my brothers. He said, sorry, if they don't believe God's word and the preachers that are still speaking right here, he said they won't believe even if somebody comes from the dead to speak to them. And that also tells us about those who keep going to hell and seeing all kinds of people in hell and come back to the earth to tell us they saw this person in hell, saw that person in hell. It's just to gain publicity. Trust me, that's the only reason for those things. There's no truth in them. So stop believing those things and stop sharing such VNs. This is what they said. They, they said they saw this person in hell. <laughs> Jesus has enough preachers teaching the truth on earth. He doesn't need a dead, a former dead preacher eh? to come and preach his gospel. Praise God. We need to go to five things. Praise God. Five things to do in trials. Five things. Five things you must be full of in trials. Father, we give you praise. Woo. Five things. Number one, you must be prayerful. You must be prayerful. Listen, some commitments are sponsored only by prayer. Do you remember when Peter looked at Jesus and said, even if everybody denies you, I will never deny you. Peter was not praying yet. He was making commitments that only prayer can sponsor. So this guy was telling Jesus, I will never deny you. Even if everybody denies you, me, I will stand. And then Jesus took them to get him and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. They didn't pray, they were sleeping. It doesn't matter what you say. Your prayer life is what will keep you convicted and strong in the day of adversity. It does not matter if you swear by anybody's grave and say, this God, I will never deny. If you don't pray it, grace will not be supplied into you. Because it's in Gethsemane, you exchange feelings for conviction. You go there with feelings, you live with convictions. If you do not pray, listen, you are full of feelings. You are a bag full of feelings. The first appearance of sword, you will deny. The first appearance of sword. What are swords like? Swords are meant to separate the goats from the sheep. Swords will come. They are the persecutions, they are the afflictions. They are the trials. Swords are differentiators. Solomon's sword came to differentiate the real mother from the fake mother. And swords are coming for you as well. It's only those who are in, you know, in, in, in some forest in the north who are seen swords on a consistent basis and being demanded to either renounce their faith or join up with the Islamic gang. Those are not the only people that are experiencing swords on a regular basis or people in the Middle East. You would also see your own version of swords. They will come. But when those swords come, will you deny or you will identify? And that's why only prayerful people can survive in the days of affliction. Stop saying I will never fall. You are not praying to, to sponsor that conviction. You are just saying it. Ah, I like Jesus now. How can I mean that I like Jesus like this? It's not likeness. Are you praying? Are you receiving grace? Are you receiving grace? No one can stay committed just by feelings. 
That is why on that wedding day, they will tell you to write something, say something, make an oath. You may be feeling all the butterflies in your tummy that day, like we saw yesterday. All the butterflies flying everywhere, fluttering everywhere. But some years down the line, it's not the butterfly that will keep that marriage. It's the commitment, it's the oath. Is that I said so. I said so. It's beyond feelings. And so if you're you not praying, you're not receiving grace to stand in the day of adversity. Your feelings cannot survive adversity. Your feelings will question God. So Peter was not praying, but thank God Jesus was praying for him. Remember when we talked about BVN. He was a, was a beneficiary of Jesus' prayers. But thank God, God made him also into a negotiator. So he says, when you are also sustained and you come out of this trying situation, also strengthen your brethren. Strengthen them. Thank God Jesus prayed for Peter. There are some things you can't get out of except you pray, sir. You just can't. Jesus saw that the devil desired to sift Peter like a wheat. He didn't say, don't worry, you're my disciple. No! He didn't say, don't worry, I like you. No! He didn't say, don't worry, I love you. No! He said, I have prayed for you. Jesus bent his knees down and he prayed for his disciple. So that he will not lose it. If you don't have someone praying for you like that and you're not praying for yourself like that, you're already in a very dangerous terrain. Only by prayers do we stand. Because only the humble will pray. Only the humble will pray. I wish Samson prayed all through his life. He would have achieved more. He only prayed once. And that once he did much more than all his years of strength combined. What if he was praying on a regular basis? What if he was praying as a lifestyle? What if he was praying combined with his physical strength? He now added spiritual energy there. Prayers and supplications with thanksgiving. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayers and supplications for the saints, making intercessions with all perseverance for all saints. That is, you shouldn't just be praying for yourself, pray for others. You are, put, we are rearing up a, an armor behind you when you pray for others. <laughs> yes, pray for people, pray for people, strengthen their hands, strengthen their hands. <laughs> when Paul said, I commend them unto Satan. What he, was only, what he was saying there is, I stopped praying for them. That's all. Not like he, he and the devil had a suya spot where they meet and say, say, I have a contract for you. Some two guys, Demetrius and Alexander, they've been, they've been misbehaving. So I want to hand you over to them. I'll send you a mail tomorrow morning. Please read the mail. No, he just stopped praying for them. Remember when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, is remitted. Whosoever sins you retain, have you read it in your Bible before? The prayers of a saint is an insulator against the attacks of the devil. Do you understand? So if you don't have a gathering of believers that are praying for you and you are receiving prayers from, and you are also praying for, you are not in that cycle, that shield of defense. You are not in it. Because he said, if you retain a man's sin, the judgment will fall on him. He says, if you remove the man's sin, the judgment can be passed away for a season, as far as you are interceding. So concerning those two men, he lifted his prayer cover on them. And so they were vulnerable to the devil. That is how the devil could now attack them so that they can learn not to blaspheme. Because consequences is the last bus stop that God desires that his children will be saved by. Do you understand? If you do wrong, consequence is not the last bus stop. Or rather, it's not the first thing God wants to administer. He wants prayer, word, correction, counsel to be able to get you on track. That's why mentorship is a shield. 
So by the time you leave all of those shields, all of those coverings, and some people still pray for you, you will never suffer the consequence. And because you are not suffering the consequence, you will be in an illusion that you are still on the right path. That at least I'm not under any mentorship. At least nothing is going wrong. At least I'm not suffering. At least the visa is still being granted. At least I'm not falling sick. At least. No consequences. Consequence is the last slap. <laughs> By the time the slap comes, you just realize, I need God. I need the saints. I need a pastor over my life. And then you run to the covering. So prayer is essential. In trying times, stay prayerful. Stay prayerful. Many people have dignified only praying mothers. You're a man, you don't pray. God help you. Say, ah, my mother is a prayer warrior. You need plenty prayers over your life. Plenty. Praise the name of the Lord. So when you make a commitment even to a woman in marriage, if that commitment is not underguarded by prayers and supplication, because what prayer does is that it says, even when I don't feel like, let the power of grace override my feelings and keep me consistent in spite of my feelings. That's what prayer does. It keeps you consistent on the path in spite of how you feel. Do you think I always want to preach? No, 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 really, let's talk about this thing. No. You think I just wake up every morning, glory to God, and I'm just under the influence and I'm just preaching up and down. No, there are days I'm discouraged. But thank God for prayers. Then you just receive that urge again. You just receive that prompting again. You just receive another dose, another release. Wow. Paul said, pray for us. That utterance be given to us. If Paul needed people to pray for him, with all his revelation knowledge, he needed prayers. Can I beg you, pray for me. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, pray for your pastor. <laughs> yeah, we need prayers. We need prayers. Nobody is just consistent forever. We're not God. We're not God. We will, we will have down times. We will have low moments. But prayer just keeps us consistent. Somebody's praying. Remember how as long as Moses' hand was up, the people were winning their battles. Intercession was going on on that mountain. Aaron and all held his hand up. Glory to God. And as far as his hands were up. But guess what? Even Moses wanted to drop them at some point. He was not that strong, so he needed some people to hold his hand up. So sometimes the pastor by himself cannot stay up. He can't put his hand up all by himself. He needs people to carry it up. And as, while it is up, while they are interceding, the members are prospering. Things are going on. Testimony is breaking out everywhere. People are safeguarded. Security is guaranteed. All of those things. But people are praying every week. Also pray for yourself. Pray for your family. That's how you stay shielded in trials. Stay prayerful. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So Solomon's sword came to separate the goat from the sheep. Swords are coming for you. Bible talks about how that trials and tribulations will come for the word's sake. Sometimes you go and line up on the roll call of affliction after receiving God's word. Yeah. That's what the word of God does to you. You receive the word. It just plants you on the roll call. Yeah? Number 17. On the roll call of trials and affliction. Because the Bible says trials and tribulations come for the word's sake. So before you heard the word, you were not on that list. You received the word. You entered the list. Yes, now. They come for the word's sake. Do you really believe this thing you just heard? We'll come for you this week. Let's come and try it. Do you really believe this thing? Yes. They come for the word's sake. Hi. 
you carry is massive. The devil will try to steal it every way he possibly can. Don't let him. The next thing, you must be joyful. Amen? You must be joyful. You must be joyful. Go and listen to one bear. Don't add it to this teaching. So you, you do a cocktail. So when you get to this part in this message, when you're listening to it again, just go to one bear, listen to that one, and then come back here. Mix it. Amen. So I'm not going to be spending more time on joy, but it's so powerful. Remember if you remember when Jonathan, he didn't hear the instruction of his father about, about honey, right? Uh-huh. He said, whoever takes honey today, that person will die. Saul just said some funny things. What was that? But Jonathan didn't hear. So he saw honey and then he took of honey and then he took honey into his, into his body. And the Bible says his eyes were enlightened. The sweet of your spirit is joy. The honey of your spirit is joy. So there are some things you will not see. There are some opportunities you will not see if you are not joyful. Joy is actually what will make you see in trials. Because in trials, people are looking down, depressed. They are looking down. Joy will lift up your countenance and you are seeing opportunities. When others are seeing backwardness and seeing how to go back to Egypt, you are seeing opportunities to get into the promised land. This is why Joseph could get out of the prison. Others were sad and depressed. Joseph had more reason to be sad and depressed. Too much affliction in one boy. He was still a teenager for God's sake. He had had this much realities in his life. He had every right to be sad and depressed in 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 the prison. But he still noticed two people that were not happy that day. Because he made the entire prison yard a a place of happiness. Just because he joined the prison. He lifted the spirit of everybody in that prison. Just because he joined. He made them realize that you can be joyful in any situation. Yes, you are in prison, but it's okay. Rejoice. 16 times Paul said in Philippian jail. Rejoice, rejoice. 16 times in one letter. And that was his lowest moment. And so Joseph continued to spread joy all around because the only way he had noticed that they were not happy that day was because they were usually happy because of him. So he noticed that they were not happy. If you are not joyful, you will not see the way out of the prison. If you are not joyful, you won't see the way out of that situation. If you are not joyful, because what happened was that, listen, Jonathan was because of Jonathan. That the people of Israel were able to defeat the armies of the Philistines. And so guess what? After they had defeated the Philistines, Saul was not saying, eh, Jonathan, you ate honey, Abby, you will die. And Isonu, you see, when demons are dealing with a person, the person becomes extremely irrational. He was saying things that were not coherent. He was going to kill his son over that. And then it was the people of Israel that now said, what's, what's the meaning of that? This, it was because of this guy that we all are not dead. You want to kill the only person that saved us from this situation. How was he able to save you? Because he took of honey and he was able to receive strength because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And it is in that moment of joy and strength you can see opportunities. So if you're not joyful, opportunities will be passing you, opportunities to get out of that trial, opportunities to arrive at the other side victorious, opportunities to leave that fire, opportunities, you won't see it. Because those two guys being sad was Jesus's, I mean, Joseph's ticket out of the prison. If he had not ministered to them, if he had not witnessed to them, if he had not served them, they would have gone out anyways, but they would never have remembered him. Because he wouldn't have interpreted their dreams. Because the dream was not dependent on interpretation for it to come to pass. It would have come to pass anyways. Do you understand? 
The dream was not dependent on interpretation. It was a prophetic dream. It was going to come to pass. He only interpreted it. That's why his, his interpretation didn't change things anyways. The one that was supposed to die still died. Because if the, if the interpretation was that powerful, it could have changed things, quote unquote. The baker dies, the butler leaves, and is reinstated. That's the interpretation of the dream. That was all. The interpretation was not necessarily the determinant of the outcomes. It was just a foretelling of the outcome. So listen, if he had not interpreted, the people would have still been released. The butler would have gotten back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh would have still dreamt, but nobody would have remembered Joseph. Because Joseph refused to be sad. He noticed an opportunity to serve people right in the middle of an affliction. If you are not joyful, you won't see these opportunities. You will be too overwhelmed by your own situation. Have you seen people who compete with you on sadness? <laughs> so you are broke. Ah, what? How much you have? Five k. <laughs> they will not laugh. <laughs> you say I'm owing my bank five five hundred thousand. <laughs> Can you imagine? You, you have 5K. At least you have 5K. They, they are owing their bank 500K. So they will keep competing with And if they see someone that is owing 500K, they will increase it. Just to feel more miserable. <laughs> it's terrible what people do. Praise God. But Joseph was able to see. You need to be sober in affliction. That was just be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, go about like a lion, seeking whom may devour. You have got to be sober. While you are going through hard times, don't, don't let the devil take advantage of that moment and strike you. Still be sober. Have control of your reins. Don't lose your mind. Still be able to see and serve people. Let people discover that you are going through a bad time and you still served anyways. Because you were joyful through it all. And that joy was your strength. Father, we give you praise. The next thing, in trials and afflictions, stay faithful. Some people stop coming to church because they had a bad time. They stop reading their Bibles. When you stop being faithful, it is a function of an entitlement mentality. Listen, anyone who is faithful does not have any demand on God again. Hmm. I'll say that again. Anyone who you see who is consistently faithful that person doesn't place God in a dock making demands of him in that person and God's contract God has fulfilled his own terms so he never subjects God to performance ever again faithfulness that is what is made of these people don't say God if you I will they know that he has already so everything they do is in response to what he has already done they don't say, God, if you, I will. Mm -mm. Because it is finished. And the realm of finished that God did is something that no man can attain. If you continue to meditate on the fact that what Christ came to do for you is finished, is done. There will never be any inspiration to ask him to perform so you can believe he loves you. Because you can see doors. You can see by revelation that he already does. So if he does not do one extra thing for you till you pass on to being glory, you will still continue to serve him without demands. Because you have already counted his own part of the terms and conditions. Done. He has done it. He has finished it. The only path left is my path. So there is nothing he does not do that will make me say he's unfaithful. He has already done his own part. I'm not expecting his performance again. 
But because I am faithful either ways, he continues to perform. Because God always <laughs> outdoes himself. <laughs> he will do more exceeding and abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Stay faithful. Let faithfulness be wired into you. That is actually what patience, long-suffering with joyfulness will combine to form in you. Faithfulness. And that is what you get from trials. Patience, long-suffering with joyfulness. When you combine all those things, you become a faithful man. The word faithful is connected to the word integrity. The word integrity is connected to the word integer. Integers don't change. Integer is the same in Nigeria, in Asia, in the Middle East, in Japan. It's the same everywhere. Mathematics is universal. If a lecturer in, in Tokyo marks your script, you will get the same thing if he marks it well. You will get the same thing. It's a universal subject. It's objective. It's integers. Integers don't change. Two is two everywhere in the world. Even in space, it's still two. They don't change. And it is integers that make integrity. Because integers don't mutilate and change based on circumstances, based on conditions. Oh, I'm in a good mood today. I'll be two and a half. I, I, I'm not in so much of a good mood. I'll just be 2.9. Two is two everywhere, every time. It does not respond to moods. It's two every time. That's what it means to be faithful. To have integrity in you. To be faithful, consistent, showing up every day. Faithfulness. In trials, stay faithful. Don't let your trials bend your commitments. Don't let your trials afflict your commitments and your faithfulness. Let it be your environment that is afflicted, not your spirit man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The spirit of a man will bear him up in his infirmities. Bible says, consider him who suffered a lot of contradictions against sinners. Lest he be weary and faint in your minds. The devil is after your mind. He wants you to faint there. Be faithful in your mind. Hebrews 12.3 Hallelujah. So be faithful. Be faithful. Tell your neighbor, be faithful. Number four, be fruitful. Be fruitful. The waiting season is an active season. Seasons of trials and tribulations, they're active seasons. Stop waiting for victory. Be productive while waiting. Be productive. Joseph continued. He continued to just work. Everywhere he went, he just kept working. David continued to be productive at whatever level of assignment God gave him. He continued to be productive. He was fruitful at every level. Amen. So volunteer. While you're looking for a job, volunteer. Do a course online. Have someone you are volunteering for. Offer your services. Be fruitful. Have something on your CV apart from your big break. Before you... Listen, Goliath was what pushed David into national significance. But it was the bears and the lions that gave him palatial recommendation. So if he didn't have lion and the bears on the CV, Goliath would not enter that CV. So he was fruitful at every level. He was not saying, oh, I'm going to wait until I get my big break and then I'll become faithful. No! He was fruitful at every level of assignment. With the bears, he was fruitful faithful and fruitful with the lion who was faithful was fruitful by the time he continued to build his cv somebody was noticing so the day they needed somebody of his skill and caliber somebody recommended him to Saul and they said go call him for me and that was where Goliath came from it was after Goliath that the women started singing on their IG handles <laughs> say ah Saul killed his thousands so David is ten thousands <laughs> 
patient in tribulations. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. So ask yourself, in the last one month, what have I produced? Or am I just waiting, waiting for God to give me the big break? What are you doing? Be fruitful at every level. Be fruitful. Even if it is... So while, when I finished NYC, I didn't have a job. I was working with PD. I was just working with PD. Anything he wants to do, I do it. So we wrote about three books then. I typed everything for him. It was while I was serving him, he recommended me to a consultant that got me a job. That was exactly how I got the job. Just like that. So some jobs are waiting on your volunteering. Be fruitful. Do something. Let someone praise you for a job well done without paying you. Just because you were fruitful. Hi. Everywhere Joseph went, he was just being fruitful. Everywhere. He didn't say, well, what I saw in my dream does not look like this. I can't stay in this house. This does not look like the palace. Please, where is the palace here? Where is the address to Pharaoh? <laughs> if he had gone there, they would have beaten him up and locked him up. Because that was what looked like his dream, isn't it? But everywhere he went to, even though what he had seen in his dream doesn't look like his current environment, he continued to serve in that environment. And God kept using the trials and afflictions to keep him closer to his dream. So please, have a friendly disposition to trials. Do you understand? Because those were the things that were pushing him closer to the palace. Imagine he was resisting those things. He wouldn't have entered his dreams. Perspective is all that matters while you're going through trials and seasons of temptations. Understand this. Understand this. You've got to be fruitful. So ask yourself, what have I produced in the last one month? What have I produced in the last one year? What have I done? What have I achieved? Am I being fruitful? I'm waiting for the big break. Stop waiting for any big break. Break something now. Yeah. Stop waiting for a big break. Break something right now, today. Decide on a goal. Achieve it. Be fruitful. God hates fruitlessness. He hates it. With everything. And listen, how he will make you more fruitful is to give you more trials. Because how does he prune the ones that will produce more? He cuts, he cuts, he, sh- he cuts, he cuts. He continues to cut. So fruitfulness is the name of the game forever. Two years, a particular tree was not producing. And then the husband man came to the owner of the vine and said, can you give us one more year? He said, well, well, I've lost patience to this guy, but if you will ensure that by the third year, he would have something, no problem, but only one more year. I don't have more than three years patience. What have you been doing for the past three years that has not produced anything? God is such a shrewd businessman. You've got to be fruitful. You've got to be fruitful. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You want to learn guitar for five years. You are still in class, going for training. You have not. What are the things you said you wanted to do? You are yet to do them. Your next level is dependent on your action now. So you keep elongating your palace. You keep elongating the call to the palace. If you are not faithful with the now, with the here. So in trials, in waiting seasons, be fruitful. Keep doing something. Amen. Amen. Whatever your hand finds to do, do with the whole of your heart. While waiting for a spouse, read a book on marriage. While waiting for a job, volunteer. Do courses online. Bolster your CV. Attend conferences. While waiting to become prime minister, manage Spotify effectively. Become the head of the prisoners. Interpret some other dreams apart from your own. And then you become prime minister. That's how it works. Your biggest dream should not be the only thing on your CV. So when I look at your CV and the only thing on your CV is your biggest break is a suspicious CV. Just see a CV. President of Nigeria. That, that's the only thing on the CV. On your CV, CEO of a multinational. 
Ah, ah, that all? How did you arrive there? How did you arrive there? That's the dream. Yes, that's the big goal. Yes, but that cannot be the only thing on your CV. Everything should lead up to that moment. So while you are refusing to build up everything to that moment, that moment will just never come. Because it is designed to come after your fruitfulness. Amen. Now the last thing, so in trying times, these are the five things you must be full of. When you are full of these things, Bible says you will be complete and entire, wanting nothing because you are full of these things. The last thing is for you to be thankful. 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 Be thankful. Be thankful. Thankfulness is always relevant in all seasons. Bible says give thanks in all things. Bible says it is the will of God in all seasons of life. Giving thanks. You are not necessarily giving thanks for. You are giving thanks in. Amen. Because God may not be the one that sent you the affliction. But he can use the affliction. So you are not thanking him for making you sick. Because God will not make you sick. But while you are in that bed, if you will give thanks for your life, he will use that sickness. He will use it to strengthen your faith. There are some things I know about God because I was once sick. And God healed me on that deathbed. There is a way I recount that moment, how he healed me of hepatitis B. That I just, I'm like, I'm in awe of God. It just brought me closer to God in a way that I couldn't have been closed without that condition. And I'm not saying God brought it. God will not afflict you with sickness. Understand this. But whatever the devil throws at you, God will use it to intensify his relationship with you. Do you understand that? So in all things, you can be thankful. Not for all things. Because when you get into some situations, you stand up as a warrior and you rebuke the devil. You don't accept it and say, well, come and attack me, afflict me. The Bible says you turn to flight the armies of aliens. Aliens don't come to cohabit, they come to take over. So when, when the devil wants to introduce cancer into your life, it will start with headache. And then you accept it, you will continue with malaria. Then you accept it, you continue with typhoid. And, you got, and before you know what's going on, cancer has crept in already. Because you didn't turn to fly the armies of aliens. They come one at a time, but they have a host waiting to come in. So you have to be responsive. You've got to be sensitive. In everything, give thanks. It's a, it's a weapon of warfare. Psalms chapter 78, I'd like us to read that. Psalm 78. These are the five things to do. So this is a message you should always have with you. So you ask yourself, while I'm waiting, am I being prayerful? Am I being joyful? Am I being faithful? Am I being fruitful? Am I being thankful? If you can ensure that these five things are complete, you're not losing anything, you're gaining. It's a perspective. Psalm 78. Amen. Amen. Psalm 78 verse 41, Bible says, and they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 78, you know, chronicles all the amazing things God did and all the terrible things that the children of Israel did in response to the amazing things God did. All right. So Psalm 78 was so full of all of those things. By verse 41, Bible says, yeah, they turned back and limited the Holy One of Israel. They tempted God. 
Why? How? They were not being thankful. They were not thankful. So guess what? Whenever you stop thanking God, you will start complaining and nagging. And the moment you start complaining and nagging, the Bible says you will turn back. That means your past becomes your future. You will start going back into your past. He says they turn back. They turn back. Where they left is where you will start going to. That is where you will start going to. You start accelerating towards your past. Once you stop thinking, you start nagging, you start complaining, you start rehearsing your past. You can't rehearse your past into the future. You can't. And without thanksgiving, you won't see Canaan. So you start complaining and be remembering all the onions and cucumbers and all the sepulchers of Egypt. Can you imagine that the children of Israel remembered the dead people in Egypt? They remembered the way the sepulchers were hewn. They remembered all the, what they call, the graveyards. What kind of a dejected mind is that? They said it would have been better to die in Egypt. At least there were better sepulchers there. Then, rather than die in this wilderness. They didn't see beyond the wilderness. And guess what? None of them survived it. You will get what you want at the end of the day. So they didn't thank God. They, didn't, they kept complaining about Nigeria. They kept nagging about the country, the situation of the country. They were not thankful. They were not prayerful. They were not joyful. They were not fruitful. They were not faithful. They were not thankful. And so they turned back and started facing their past. And said, this past, we are coming for you again. And all of them died in the wilderness. All of them. Except the two that saw Canaan. When the evil report came, the report of fear and trepidation, Bible says everybody started crying. Bible says they cried so much, they didn't have strength to cry again. They cried so much. But Joshua and Caleb said, let us go up at once. These people are bred. They saw giants, they said they were bred. Perspective. And only those two entered it. Because 40 years later was when they eventually entered. But the strength of Caleb was exactly the same. Visions can keep you strong. The vision he saw 40 years ago was still strong in his heart. He was still as strong physically. Because he captured that vision 40 years be before. Because he was thankful. He kept confessing it every day. This land I possess it. Let us go but once. They are like bread to us. And the others were seen giants. Ah, they will eat us up. They were like grasshoppers in front of them. Because they couldn't see beyond their past. Cucumbers and onions. When God had grapes for them, you don't understand. The grape of Canaan, two people had to hold side by side to carry one grape. The kind of fruitfulness in that land. Two people had to stand side by side with this, you know, rod to carry the grape in between. Because one man could not carry one grape. That was how fruitful it was. A land flowing with milk and honey. But because you are in the wilderness of trials and affliction, you are desiring Egypt. Can you be thankful? Can you be thankful? And envision the future that God has in store for you. Can you be thankful? Can you just be thankful? Yes, you are in Nigeria. Be thankful. Yes, it may not be the sweetest of moments, but be thankful. It could have been worse. Be thankful. Be fruitful. Be faithful. Be joyful. Be prayerful. Amen. Whenever you turn your back, you face your past. And you start going in the direction of your past. Actually, the Bible talks about the perilous times. That people will become boastful and unthankful. It's actually unthankfulness that produces homosexuality. It's in Romans chapter 1. Yes. There are so many evil vices that promote 
terrible things in our world today, many of them begin with unthankfulness. Bible says, because they knowing God refused to glorify him as God, then God gave them over to reprobate emotions and, you know, feelings and desires. That means you see yourself as a man. You stopped thanking God for you being a man. You started desiring another expression beyond you. There are some things I would have loved to say now, but I will look for an opportune time to say them. Because there are so many suggestions in the social media world right now that would succinctly and subtly suggest things that will make people start stop, or that will make people stop glorifying God in their members and start desiring the expression of another gender because of how a gender expresses himself in the other gender online. <laughs> when you stop being thankful for how you are, you start desiring another form, another hormonal infrastructure. So you can start feeling in a certain way. So you can express in a certain way. It's all an agenda, guys. I saw an outbreak of this recently and I caught myself and I'm like, wow, what is the devil trying to do here? What's going on here? And you see people just morph. And they just morph. And they're just evolving. Morph, Abby. <laughs> just, just changing. I'm like, ah, this guy is better as the other one than his real one. He, is, he expresses him be himself better as a she. And it becomes a shim. <laughs> Shimama, Abi, Shimapa. Shimawa, Abi. No, really, guys, you've got to be sensitive on social media. There's a lot of hardwired conditioning that the devil is doing with social media. A lot. So people just stop giving thanks for their bodies. You look at the mirror, you're not thankful. I don't like how I look. I'll be better as a guy. I'll be better as a lady. That is where homosexuality comes from. Unthankfulness. Be thankful. You secure yourself. You stay structured. And you continue to function the way God ordained for you to function. When you are thankful. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So watch what you consume on social media. It is conditioning you. Do you have five things to be thankful for today? Rise to your feet and start thanking him for those things. Specifically, thank him for your gender. Thank him for your country. Thank him. You may be in a season that is not so exciting, but thank him for it. Thank him for it. Thank him for the family he gave birth to you into. Don't be saying, I wished Otedola was my father. <laughs> thank him, because God is your father anyways. Thank him for the father that God gave you. Thank him for the mother God gave you. Thank him for the friends you have around you. Thank him. Don't stop rehearsing your past. Because if you rehearse your past, you can't get into your future. You are going back into the past. You are recycling your past whenever you rehearse the past. Thank him. Thank him. These are the dispositions and the attitudes in affliction and in trials. You've got to be prayerful. You've got to be joyful. You've got to be faithful. You've got to be fruitful. You've got to be thankful. You've got to be thankful. You've got to be thankful. Thank him. 30,000 naira. Thank him. Your salary. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Some don't even have that at all. Thank him. Thank him. You have food to put on your table. You have clothes on your back. Thank him. Ah, thank you, Lord. 
Wow, thank you. I have a degree. You are, you are jealous of those with masters. Thank you for your degree. You have an ND. Thank you for the ND. You have SSE. Thank you for the SSE. You have a primary school living certificate. Thank you for it. Don't postpone thankfulness for a higher level. You will never get to the higher level. Don't postpone your thankfulness. I will thank you when I become a prime minister. Thank him in the prison. Thank him in Potiphar's house. Thank him in the pits. Thank him right there. I'll praise you in the storm and I will lift my hands. You are who you are. No matter what I go through, no matter where I am. Every tears I've cried, you hold in your hands. You never let me fall. That's the attitude. You are thankful. And while you're full of these things, you are complete and entire. One thing, nothing. 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 Amen. God is waiting for you to thank him. I had an extra year, a very devastating one. Most influential person on campus, 2014. Pastor of Castle, three years and a half. Great guy. Everybody's crush. <laughs> yeah. Great stuff. I had a reputation that was bigger than me. I never met someone that didn't know me before I met them. My lecturers were listening to my message. Yeah. And then an extra year came. Over a one-unit course. A second semester extra year. It seemed like punishment for service. It didn't seem like a reward. I thought God should be looking forward to rewarding me. But thank God I was afflicted. Have you read that part in scripture? Thank God I was afflicted. Yeah. <laughs> thank God I was afflicted. And a lot of my mates that had the extra year, Many of them, will even, they won't even come to class. They will just come for the test and the exams. And then just, <laughs> and pass. Because they will release them. It's a very funny course. I can't even start telling you how I got the extra year. It's ridiculous. It was completely unnecessary. Except by God. And then God said, attend every class. 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. every Tuesday morning. And I will go to class. Put me, pass it on me. Come on, sit down, sir. Come on, sit down, sir. Welcome, sir. In their mind, you two, you fail this course. Oh, God. Hey, share more, we. I never failed that course, actually. Crazy stuff. But I had an extra year. Ah, it was a very trying time. It was, it was, it was an attack on my face. Really. But thank God. Because I give thanks in that season. Beautiful scars came from there. I did a project that season. Went to an orphanage, donated some money to them. My wife came from there. There is a lot of fruitfulness in thankfulness. When you don't give thanks, you waste that season. You waste that experience. It won't amount to more than it already is. But when you give thanks for it, you say, I hand it over to you. Do with this whatever you want and give me the harvest later on. 
I will praise you in advance. I'll praise you in advance. One more time, can we thank him this morning? Can we thank him this morning? Can we thank him? Let's thank him for everything. Let's thank him in everything. Let's thank him for everything. Let's thank him in everything. For he is good and his mercy is endure forever. He is good and his mercy is endure forever. He is good and his mercy is endure forever. He is good. He is good. Father, we give you praise and we give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Lord, keep these words in the heart of your people forever. Keep them in their hearts. That was what David prayed at the inauguration of that project of the building of the temple of, of God. He said, Lord, keep this moment in the hearts and the imaginations of your people forever. Let them not forget that you are good and that your mercies endure forever. No matter what they go through, let them not forget to be thankful. Let them not forget to be fruitful. Let them not forget to be faithful. Let them not forget to be prayerful. Let them not forget to be joyful in any season they find themselves. Thank you, Father, for answered prayers. We give you praise and glory. For in Jesus' precious name we pray. What is your trial going to end up in? Glory! Hallelujah. Have your seat in God's presence. Wow. What a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.